0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. We're well, glad you're here today. And those of you who join us online, we're always thankful for your present. If there's ever anything we can do to minister to you or prayer requests that you have, just text us or email us or just call the office and one of our pastors will be glad to talk with you and pray with you. You know, I'm uh, so thankful about Gateway, Um, but let me tell you two things that would cause us to just be dead in the water, just stop. One would be if the Holy Spirit left us, and I would hope that if the Holy Spirit left us, we would stop. In other words, that we don't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. And without Him, we have no power. So that, that's one way. Uh, a second way is our volunteers. I mean, if it wasn't for our volunteers, we could not operate as a church. Our, we have amazing volunteers. In fact, uh, quite a few of you, most, a lot of you are volunteers in one way or another, And I'm so thankful for our volunteers, the way they give of their time and their energy and, you know, little things that they do that you might not be aware of. You just see the result of it and enjoy the result of it. So I'm thankful for our volunteers, regardless of what your ministry is. I'm very thankful for that. Now, some of you were not here last week. Last week, we did an update on our records because we've updated our software. And if you did not fill out one of these as a family, We just need one per family. Uh, They're in the back of your chairs. If you would just grab one and fill this out, and then at the bottom, uh, just fill it out for yourself, but then at the bottom, just list the names of your family members that are in your household and their birth dates, and then place it in the offering baskets at the end of the service. So just one per household, if you didn't fill out one last week. And before any of you write me any a little snarky remark, uh, I know there are three services listed on there, and we only have two. These are our pre-pandemic uh, things, and we just didn't want to throw them all away. And so we were trying to get rid of them and use them to be wise stewards. Uh, so if that bothers you, we'll set up counseling for you. So... Um, <laughs> Don't let things like that bother you. You know, uh, you, um, one of the things that have really, that's really come out during the last 18 months is, is how often people are just losing their cool about things. They, they're just getting upset about things. So I thought it would be good to take a Sunday and just step back for a moment and talk about how to keep your cool, how to keep your cool when it's hot. And, um, and there, and, and what can you do to address some of the issues that just bother you? I mean, we all have our pet peeves. Um, there are things that bother you, there are things that bother me. I made a list of mine and you probably can relate to some of these. Here, here are my pet peeves, uh, my top 10 anyway. And, uh, drivers who break their necks to pass me. And when they pass me, they slow down. That bothers me, um, Shopping carts with a one broken wheel, I mean, that bothers me. I've changed carts so many times sometimes just because of that one broken wheel. Um, given a form to fill out, and there's never enough space to put down the information they're asked for. Does that bother you? That bothers me. And, you know, there's just not room for there. This happened last night. Sitting there watching a movie and someone else in the household... Comes in and in the middle of the movie, and then wants you wants to catch wants you to catch them up on everything. We know who we're talking about. (laughs) Not naming any names. Um, You know, uh, another one is when those plastic forks when they break. Does that bother you? I mean, when we first started our, our 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 men's steak dinner. Uh, we use plastic forks. And I said, no, we can't do this. <laughs> you know, that, you just can't eat a steak with a plastic fork because it's going to break. So I don't like that. I, I don't like when I'm on the internet, all these ads pop up, especially if you're just looking at the news and all these ads start popping up everywhere. And you got to it's like a minefield that's laid out before you. Oh, and if you click on something to find out about it, then you start getting all these emails and all these other ads popping up just for that thing that you did a little research on. I don't like that. And um, when um, Another thing that bothers me is celebrities claiming to be environmentalists as they fly around in their private jets. Yeah, I don't like that. Another thing that bothers me is politicians who make laws and then exempt themselves from those laws that they make that you and I have to follow. I don't like that. Uh, Here's just a bonus. Uh, This this is a pet peeve, just a bonus from this past week. Time magazine came out with um, the world's most influential people and on the front cover was Prince Harry and Meghan. And I'm going, really? Really? I don't think I've woken up a single day wondering what in the world they're doing today. I I don't think I've ever woken up thinking about, Yet they're called the most influential people in the world. I'm sitting there going, you guys are so out of touch. And, uh, you know, the magazine people or the news people can be so out of touch. But anyway, I could go on. But I'm going to stop there. Well, Jesus had some extremely strong words that he said. And in, in Matthew chapter 5. I mean these are really strong words and it and it gets if if you read it slowly, it, it'll grab your attention and say, "Whoa, what is he talking about?" So listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 5 beginning verse 21. He says, "You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder." right and if you commit murder you're subject to judgment well right that's that's right but if you are even angry with someone you are subject to judgment oh whoa wait a minute how does how did he jump from killing someone to just being angry at someone And then he said, if you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, these are strong statements by Jesus. So it's worthy of our time to understand what is Jesus saying here. I mean, when he says, you have heard it said, but I say, now right here, he's actually referring to Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17, and so he's talking about some specific Old Testament. And Jesus is not altering the terms of the law of these passages, but rather he's correcting what the people have heard from their religious leaders. You know, th- this is why i take scripture very serious and every time i bring scripture to you i do my homework i make sure am i being honest with this and and am i being truthful about am i being is this correct am i interpreting this right if i get stuck on something i read about it i'll call friends i'll call theologians and i'll ask them because que- the last thing i would ever want to do is tell you the bible says something and be wrong about it and the religious guys in Jesus' day, they had gone through this stage in, where the Bible would say something. And so they would come up with all these rules that says, okay, here's what that means. And you've got to keep all these rules in order to not disobey that. And, and so their opinions, which, you know, like when I read to you and share with you what Scripture says. And I might say, and I'm going to later on in this message, is is say, okay, here's how you do this. And I I give you some ideas. But that's just my opinion down here, and here's God's Word. But these religious guys, over time, kept focusing on this to where it became equal to Scripture. It's kind of like, this is Scripture. And it wasn't. And they even got to the place where they put their rules and opinions over scripture and you talk about being in a dangerous place that's a very dangerous place to be so Jesus comes along and he's done he did this several times you've heard it said your teachers told you this but I'm going to correct that let me tell you what God really meant So this is what's happening here. And um, so rather, he was correcting what people heard and how the religious leaders, their understanding of the law was not really always accurate. Now when he uses this word idiot in verse 22, he's talking about empty-headed, a a fool. Empty-headed not that you cannot think but rather you don't think you choose not to think so jesus is suggesting here i think that verbal abuse stems from the same sinful motives that ultimately leads others to commit murder in other words he's saying if you commit murder yeah, that's a bad thing and you know the bible deals with that but i want to tell you if you, if you, uh, you know, murder somebody's character and you curse someone, it's coming from the same sin inside of you. You may act upon it differently. You know, one person can't control themselves and go out and kill somebody. This person just attacks verbally. And Jesus is saying, it's the same sin. It comes from the same place. And, and he, he's saying, look, you've, you've got anger that leads to hatred, which leads to verbal abuse or ultimately could lead to murder. So what Jesus is getting to, he says, what's really in your heart? See, the religious guys, they got so focused in Jesus' day on the outward manifestation of your actions, that as long as you outwardly did things right, that's all that matters. Jesus said, "Oh no, God looks at your heart. What's in here? That's what really matters." And, and so that's what he's getting at at this point. I mean, he says to call a person to call a person a fool is the same as cursing him or murdering him, according to Jesus. And you would be guilty of that sin, and it's worthy of eternal punishment. Oh, my goodness. So, I dare to say, every single person sitting in this room has probably done something that's worthy of eternal punishment. In fact, I say that with absolute confidence. And that's why Jesus came and died for us. Jesus came to die for one of my sins, which is anger. One of your sins, anger and hatred. Now, I, I think Jesus, when he was talking here about the fires of hell, he was, I think he is talking about eternal hell, but I think he was also making reference to something that the people could identify with. Uh, You see, there was a place right outside of Jerusalem in the Hinnan Valley that was south southwest area below um, Jerusalem, and that became a place, it actually became called the Valley of Slaughter. There were two other kings, two kings before Jesus, who actually allowed for human sacrifice. Imagine that some kings of Israel that allowed for human sacrifice. In fact, one of those kings actually sacrificed his own kids. And so that place claimed known as the Valley of the Slaughter. Well, they stopped that, but it became the place where they started taking all the trash. And they would just throw the trash there, and it was a constant fire, and, um, In fact, sometimes they would throw the bodies of prisoners and uh, crucified people would be thrown there. Um, Jesus wasn't because he had somebody to come take his body and bury it, but it became a place of stench. There's always smoke coming from it, always a fire. So it was kind of like the place that the fire never stops. So when Jesus talked about that, they could relate to it. But he's also talking about eternal, eternal fires. In fact, Jesus uses that example 11 times in Scripture, eternal fire, eternal punishment. And and so Jesus rejected the traditions, the practices of the Pharisees. I mean, six times he said to the people, now you've heard it said, I mean, all these educated religious guys, here's what they told you, but I'm telling you something different. I'm telling you what God really meant. I'm telling you what God really thinks. I'm telling you what is truth. And and so these words make it very clear that Jesus is saying something different. And that's why his words, and, and when people hear that, when they heard that, and when they heard what Jesus said, in their heart they knew he was telling them the truth. So Jesus illustrated an important commandment, and that was do not murder. That's in the top 10, right? So do not murder. And and the Pharisees, right, they taught that, but they didn't teach it always correctly. And so Pharisees taught that murder consisted of taking someone's life. Well, that's true. But Jesus said that it extends beyond that. He says it's not only an act of In itself, but it's also an internal attitude, an attitude in the heart that's behind the act, and God looks at the heart. Now, of course, murder is wrong, but anger that prompts that act is just as wrong, according to Jesus. So when you become angry, you basically are assuming a position of superiority over the other person. And, uh, and you call them a derogatory name. And you, you demonstrate sinfulness actually in your heart, even if you never act upon it. And a person with such a sinful heart is a sinner and therefore deserves the fires of hell, which is you and me. You know, since that very first murder... In that very first family, in Adam and Eve, when one of their sons murdered his brother, it's been a constant part of our human society. <clears throat> in fact, we're seeing such an increase in arrest and convictions and the number of murders. I mean, it's, we almost expect it every week that there's been some angry person who walked into his workplace and just started killing people. We, we hear about it all the time. I mean, year before last, we were averaging 16,000 murders in our country a year. Last year, it went up 25%. In 2020, where we have over 20,000, that's a 25% increase 20,000 murders every year. And that does not include the unknown murders that we don't know about. And um, murders have just become so commonplace, a lot of times it doesn't even make the local news anymore. And if you add suicide to that, which is self-murder, and you add abortion to that, which is pre-birth murder, the numbers would be staggering. So these religious guys established their own rules and put them above God's command, and Jesus came along and said, we well, have heard it said, but I'm telling you this. To take the life of a fellow human being is an, uh, an assault on the sacredness of the image of God. To attack verbally is an assault on the integrity of the image of God. Whether they're a believer or not, the image of God is still in them. The image of God is in every person. Uh, Proverbs 6, it says, There are six things that the Lord hates, no seven that He detests. Uh, Listen to this list. Halty eyes. Hmm. A lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. Well, absolutely, that should be there. A heart that plots evil. Now, wait a minute. Is he suggesting that even just plotting it in your heart and just thinking about it, like how do I get revenge? How do I get even? Even though I don't ever act on it, it am I still guilty just the fact that I think about it? Well, Yeah. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Proverbs is saying. The feet that uh, race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And here's one. Uh, We all probably have a problem with this sometime or another. A person who sows discord in a family. Hmm. Hmm. And that doesn't include just your biological family. That includes your church family, the family of God. In fact, the Bible does say that God hates when someone causes disunity in the family of God. My two siblings, my older sister and younger brother, uh, we talk all the time, and and a common conversation is about our mom, who's 91, and making sure her needs are met. I handle all the finances. My brother handles, makes sure, and she gets to the doctor because he lives in town. And uh, my sister comes in and does things periodically because she lives up in Nashville. <clears throat> and so we talk through things. And, and and so I was telling them, I said, um, uh, you know, mom wants to uh, go to the funeral home and just kind of make some plans. And, and so she, I'm gonna take her to do that the next time I go up. And uh, and then I said, but, but here's what she said. She said, now, I want to go to this funeral home. And I said, well, why? She said, well, because your grandmother's cousin used to be married to somebody that worked there. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> and I just was, you know, I was laughing. <laughs> I said, all right, Mom, that makes no sense whatsoever. My grandmother's cousin, who's dead, used to be married to somebody whose dead. Used to work there, and therefore you're going to be loyal to them because of that. And uh, she said, "Well, no, there's one across the street. We can go there too." And I said, "Okay, <laughs> we'll do that." And uh, so anyway, I, you know, every once in a while, I can sense I might say something that just kind of causes a little discord in the family, and I come to verses in like Proverbs 6 and go, Don, you've got to stop that. You see, the first effect of Jesus' word, I I tell you what Jesus, I think what he was really getting at, was not just for the Pharisees but for everybody, was to get rid of the illusion of self-righteousness. See, it's easy to be self-righteous if you're sitting there going, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never done this. I've never done that. And when Jesus, though, says, oh, yeah, well, let's look in your heart. Have you plotted in your heart? Have you cursed in your heart? Have you judged in your heart? Then you're just as guilty. So Jesus, I think, is attacking this self-righteous notion that we sometimes have, I'm a good person because I don't do certain things. And Jesus says, that doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it at all. You see, God, God wants us to be righteous. And the only way that we can be righteous is that he declares us righteous, which means in right standing with God. And there's only one way that that can happen, and that, that is that Jesus makes us that way. And the way he did that was by dying on a cross for you and me. He took my unrighteousness, and he died for that, and he declared me righteous, not because of anything I did, but because of what he did. So God wants you to be declared righteous. Righteous. And the only way he can do that is by you accepting what Jesus did for you to declare you righteous. Uh, In um, 1 Samuel, listen to what God said to Samuel. He says, don't judge by his appearance or height. Don't don't judge by his selfies or his Instagram or his uh, profile. For I have rejected him. But here's the difference, God says. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. And this is the Lord talking now. But the Lord looks at the heart, the Lord looks at the heart. And maybe that's what you and I need to do. So Jesus shatters this complacent self-righteousness by saying, you're guilty of murder even if you just have anger in your heart. Wow. You, You see, anger, that's that base thing in us that actually leads to hatred. When I have anger, I have to do something with that anger. And if I don't do something correctly with it, uh, because there's a righteous kind of anger. We're going to talk about that in a second. But there's an unrighteous kind of anger, and that's usually what you and I have. Uh, Something happens with that, and if I don't do something with that anger, it'll turn to hatred, where I actually hate somebody, despise somebody, because I'm angry. And have we not seen a massive surge of that in our society, in our country this last year? I I mean, you can follow posts on Facebook, and uh, you just hear the anger in people, and the the statements, you know, the statements about masks and vaccinations and all. I mean, people are angry, and they're they're. They're frustrated, and there's hatred that comes out. I mean, it's amazing what is happening. And that anger, if it's not dealt with, destroys. In fact, anger and hatred are so deadly, they can destroy the person who harbors those things. So unrighteous anger, here's what it'll do to you. It'll damage others, it'll damage your friendships, it'll damage your family. I, I've known I families to absolutely split over politics, just to absolutely have nothing to do with each other because of politics. Number two, it, it'll defeat your purpose, uh, and here's what I mean by that. When you are f- filled with anger, anger is on the throne of your life, not God. And if anger's, if God's not on the throne of your life, you cannot be living out the purpose God has for you. So anger will defeat your purpose. It'll stop the purpose God has for you. So that's how serious it is. You got to deal with that anger, or you're not going to be who God wants you to be. And then a the third thing, in reality, it'll destroy you. Ultimately, that's what happens. It'll destroy your reputation. I, I mean, have you ever said this of someone? They are such an angry person. Uh, sure you have. You, you've known people like this. You, you know, you just say, they're, they're so angry. And, and you, I don't even know why. They're just angry. And, and it doesn't even matter what they're angry about. They're just angry. It, it'll destroy your reputation. It'll destroy your influence. I mean, angry people don't tend to influence others. And it'll absolutely destroy your personal peace. When you're an angry person, peace is not anywhere nearby. You don't sleep. You have no rest. You can't enjoy anything. You can't enjoy anyone. You become a hermit emotionally socially. Uh-oh. Let's read a couple of verses. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep their side when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. I always tell people, I said now if you're in a meeting with a group of people, never be the first one to speak. Just let everybody else talk and kind of get a feel for what they're thinking. And then if you speak you might actually say something intelligent. Ephesians 4.26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, there's a line here. He's not saying don't sin by having anger because there is a righteous anger. We'll deal with that. He said don't let your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. <laughs> you're not going to sleep very well. So don't let your anger control Control your emotions, control your thinking, control your attitude, control everything. Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. You see, fool, foolish people react. Uh, wise people will wait until they hear the whole story. Uh, I've had people make an appointment to come see me and they walk in and they're just mad. And they start venting, and and I'll let them just talk for a while, and then I'll say, hey, uh, you know what? There's a a piece of this story you don't seem to know about. And I'll tell them the missing piece, and all of a sudden they'll go, oh, well, that changes everything. I said, yeah. It might have been better had you walked in and just said, hey, I'm troubled by something. Can you help me? But instead, you came in here and you threw up all over me. So, make sure you get the story first. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold back. They wait to hear the whole story. Here's here's another verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, this is the Philippians. uh, Instead, pray about everything. So don't worry, you pray. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, only then will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Now, this is important. His peace will guard your hearts, will guard your minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. So worry that's unchecked and not prayed about can lead to frustration, can lead to insecurity, can lead to anger. And God wants you to catch it at the very beginning. Worry unchecked could get you all the way to anger that controls you. So at the very beginning, if you're worrying, God's saying, hey, let that be a big flashing red light. You need to do something, and here's my plan for you. Talk to me about it. Pray about it. Let me deal with you about it. Because when you do that, I will give you peace That only Jesus can give you. The world cannot give it to you. No law that the government passed will give you that peace. There's no executive order that will give you that peace. Only Jesus can give you that peace. And his peace will guard your heart and will guard your minds as you live the way you're supposed to live in Christ Jesus. You see how God works? He said, let's catch this thing at the very beginning. So whenever you worry about something, it's a sign to you, a signal to you, you need to pray about this because if you don't and leave it unchecked, it's going to get you to anger eventually. Psalms 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. Now, let me interpret be still to you. Sit down, shut up. Sit down, shut up, get away from distractions, put your phone off, put it in another room, turn the TV off, close all the books that you're reading, just sit down and let God be God to you. Be still and know that I'm God. And the reason He wants you to know that He's God is because then you'll be at peace. Oh. God's got this. This pandemic is no surprise to God. God's the God of the universe. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Psalms chapter 4. You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you isn't that interesting he talks about how god has set apart the godly for himself but he immediately then talks about not letting anger control you and that, that that's a sin then he says think about it overnight and remain silent so it's another another verse that confirms other verses be still and know that i'm god Keep your mouth shut. Wait until you hear the whole story. Then in Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I like the fact that he says do all you can because sometimes that's not enough. And sometimes it's impossible to be at peace with certain people. So he says do your part do all that you can to be at peace with everyone. And if you can't, you know, if you d- truly have done all that you can, you know, maybe you just need to avoid them. Maybe you need to just keep your distance. So here's a couple of ideas. When you feel angry, identify what is making you angry. Identify it. Name it. that'll help you to grow personally, that'll help you to move forward, And, and that can change the situation and change the relationship. You know, this is what's making me angry. I need, I gotta deal with this. And then two, when you feel angry, delay reacting. Delay reacting to an emotional situation so that you can get the whole story, so that you can respond with grace, and so that you can save a friendship. I was having dinner with a good friend the other day, and uh, he said, um, I heard you were retiring. I said, really? That's news to me. He said, really? He said, yeah. And it, 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 his um, his parents go to another church. He said, yeah, my parents told me that you were retiring. I said, he, and I said, well, what would you say? I said, hey, Don and I are close friends. If he was retiring, he would have told me. And I said, well, you're right. I said, I'm not retiring. There's no plans. Now, there might be a committee that's meeting that's planning it. I don't know about, but, <clears throat> you know, I'm not planning on it. He said, all right. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, he waited. He just wanted to get here here from me. And uh, he could have gotten mad. He said, I'm, I'm upset with Don because he didn't tell me. that well, was nothing to tell. So he waited to get the whole story. And... Uh, So delaying a reaction to an emotional situation, it can help you. It can help you a lot. So here are the lessons I've learned from my anger. Here's some lessons I've learned. Most of the things are not worth getting angry over. Most things. I've learned that. Often, my anger is actually driven by my hurt feelings. You hurt me, now I'm angry. So it's really about hurt feelings. Now, there's some things worth being angry about, like bullying. I mean, I I think we take action. I remember when I was in the 11th grade, me and my best friend, we were driving in my car, and we saw these middle schoolers, a whole gang of them, like eight or nine of them, uh, going after this kid. And the kid was a little... I happened to to know the kid, and he was, you know, he was one of those shy, awkward kids. And these boys were just going; at, they were throwing things at him, and they were bullying at him. And man, we stopped the car, <clears throat> we got out, and we confronted those those guys, and 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 just really, just you know, we didn't touch them, wanted to, but we didn't. And one of them looked at me, he said, "Well, my brother's bigger than you." And I looked at him, I said, "Well, your brother's not here." <laughs> I am, and we, you know, we just kind of lit into them emotion, you know, with words and said, you know, we just, I mean, I just can't stand bullying, just can't. And so that's a righteous kind of anger, I think. Um, cruel cruelty and taking advantage of the defenseless—that's the right kind of anger. Um, Abortion—that creates some anger. Uh, this is the one that really gets me, though sex trade trafficking of children and defenseless young ladies my anger really gets boiling on that one and uh... this is one of the things that my daughter deals with as a professor at auburn uh... she's created a whole degree and uh, and a lot of students come and get that degree they deal with sex trade trafficking world hunger issues and she actually had one student who went went to central america and, and started dealing with sex trade trafficking and started helping girls get out of that, and she did such an amazing job that the government came to her, the, the federal government came to her and said, hey, will you run this program for our whole country? Man, that's something, that's something to be excited about. You know, I can choose to be a monk and not deal with people, or I can choose to walk with God and live at peace with people. And so that's a lesson I've learned. I've learned that I, I must learn to keep things in per- perspective. I've learned that it takes discipline to control my emotions. Discipline. I have to work at it. It takes discipline to keep my mouth shut, especially being a preacher, you know. <laughs> you know, and just one last observation Jesus got angry over stuff, and it was stuff that really mattered. We find it in Mark chapter 3 when he was healing a man in the synagogue. He got a, over, angry at some of the reaction that happened. Uh, John chapter 2, when the merchants were making money off of people and robbing people, basically cheating people, Jesus got angry over that, rightly so. And, and then when he arrived at uh, Lazarus' house in John 11, I think Jesus got angry over sin. He was just angry. All the sin and the hurt and the pain and death. You see, Jesus was there at creation. He did the creating, and and sin and death was never meant to be a part of the equation. And I I think he just got angry about the whole impact of sin. Well, so what's your what's your anger issue? What what do you need? What always gets you maybe it's time to come clean with it maybe it's time to confess it maybe it's time to pray about it and uh, when the band comes up i'm gonna i'm gonna come down here to the front and if you just want to pray about that i'm here to pray with you or you can come and just pray by yourself or you can just pray right where you're sitting but let's let's go to the lord now and talk about this